series for the, the summer uh, period, and we're going to go into the book of Ephesians here in a couple of weeks. But uh, today, we're um, ending our series, and then we're going to have a, a guest preacher, a friend of mine from our, our local body of churches called the Presbytery, come and speak next week. His name's Chad Anderson. Um, but to, to sort of uh, frame how we're going to discuss this passage and this topic uh, today and how I want to end this series, again, asking the question, uh, what is Christianity, basics of the faith, how do we believe in God? One of the foundational principles of Christianity uh, is that God wants to hear from you, that he wants you to communicate with him, that he wants you to speak to him, and that he wants, what First John's been saying, that he wants to abide with you, he wants to be near you. That's why Christianity makes a big deal about being what's called in Christ. Verse 13 in our passage that I'm about to read says, when you believe in the name of the Son of God, you have a different kind of life. It's this life of the new age. It's often translated eternal life. And that, that means that you're not only going to live forever, but you have a different quality in your being because you are connected to God. And one of the main ways you come to experience that reality in the Christian faith is through prayer, is through speaking to God, communicating to him, pouring out your heart to God, being intimate with him. And prayer is becoming aware. And this is this is kind of how I, I would love to be your pastor in this way. Prayer is becoming aware that in every circumstance and in every moment of your life. God is there, which means that he's currently here right now, which is strange because we don't see him, right? But the Christian, when believing in Jesus, what begins to happen is that you shift from talking about God and you start to talk to him and with him. As if he is a present reality in your life at all times. And if you say to me right now, I don't know how to pray. That's not true. Everyone, young or old, can in this very moment, this is what you do. You can acknowledge that God is real and here. And you can talk to him if you want to. Right now. 
that you can believe in his presence and his reality. And if you so desire, you can speak to him. And what I want to show you today is that you desire to speak to God, whether you know it or not. And so I'm going to read this passage and then we're going to speak to God together through prayer. Okay, first John five verses 13 through 15. And then I'm going to read the first section of the Lord's Prayer. This is God's word to you today. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. And the first petition of the Lord's prayer, Jesus tells his disciples to, he says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Um, I'm going to pray. Would you pray with me? Would you speak to God with me? We'll spend some moments in silence and do that together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it is very easy to shift away from acknowledging your presence, even when speaking to you. And we know this, even in our human relationships, that there's a way we can talk to one another and not acknowledge one another, that we speak past one another, that we don't listen to one another. And we don't desire to do that this morning. What we desire this morning is to commune with you, to be intimate with you, because you are where we belong. And so, Father, we ask that you would teach us that we are loved, that we are included in relationship with you, and that you hear us, and you understand us, and you give us what we ask. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, an example... Um, What if I wrote a self-help book claiming that this is what it means to be a good parent? Um, you, You must spend an hour each Monday with your child having a conversation. And each evening you spent one hour eating with your child. And then on Saturday afternoons you spent an hour uh, for the purpose of having fun. And after each encounter with your child you said, okay, time's up. I'll see you again next week, or I'll see you again tomorrow. Now, if I did that with either one of my children, Ambrose or Lazarus, they'd be confused. And the reason why they'd be confused is because they're not robots, right? They were made for intimate relationships, and sometimes that's, that's spontaneous. And so, so the, the point of me being their dad is not for me to like look at my schedule and check out the box of being a good dad for that particular day or that particular week. But this is how many of the Jews in the first century had begun to think about how they related to God. That they had turned uh, what it meant to follow God into rules and regulations and things to kind of like check the box. And this is how many of us, when, when we forget that God's present and intimate relationship with us, this is how we tend to think about him. That if I do particular things, if I behave particular ways, 
then that is the basis upon which God relates to me. And what 1 John has been saying is that that's not actually true. That God likes to relate to you through the name of another, through the name of Jesus, the Son of God. And that He'll love you despite what you do for Him or don't do for Him because He loves Jesus. And so the way that God feels towards Jesus, His disposition towards Jesus, is the way that He feels towards you when you believe in Him. And that is confusing. Because all of life works differently than that. Now, the way that the Bible gets this idea across is through a very uh, familiar but also peculiar image of a child speaking to their dad, speaking to their father. And we are to think of God as father when we communicate to him. And when we do, what we find in prayer is the practice of what I would call human being basic needs and, and desires. That this is how prayer is how we practically believe in God. It's how we come to the knowledge that we actually have eternal life. And to, to communicate with God as a father means to experience what it is to be loved like a child, what, what it means to be in, included into the relationship with him and what it means to be heard by God. Prayer is the means by which you are continually reminded that you are loved, included, and heard. So let's look at those three things. Fatherly love, 1 John 5, 13, and Matthew 6, 9. John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And then Jesus says to his disciples, pray like this. Our Father in heaven. When you ask anything in the name of God or in the name of Jesus, you are immediately considered a child of God. And that's part of why the Lord's Prayer begins with our Father. Now, uh, some of us are fathers in the room. We all have some form of a relationship with a father, whether he was absent or, or not in your life. But fathers in this room and listening online uh, we often underestimate the power that we have over our children. I learned this in a very profound way about five years ago. Uh, my dad wrote me and my brother a poem and sent it to us. And my dad's not like the poetry type guy. He's like an outdoorsman. And he found this poem in a magazine or something. He really liked it. And so he wrote it down and sent it to me and my brother. And my brother called me shortly after. He's like, hey, man, did, did dad send you a poem? And I was like, yeah, he did. And he said, how did that hit you? And I was like, pretty hard. I, I, I actually started crying. And he said, I, I, I did too. And he said this, it's amazing the power that our dad has in our lives. Just by writing a poem that he didn't write. Now, our image of God will be shaped by the experience that we have of our earthly fathers. And oftentimes... We have a struggle there, don't we? 
Um, and even if you had a bad experience or an absent father, oftentimes God can use a negative example to show himself even more than a positive example through Scripture. Henry Light is a hymn writer who wrote the song, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. And his mother died when he was a young boy. And his dad did not want to take care of him because he wanted to have fun. Literally, that's, that's what he wanted to do. And so he dropped Henry off at an orphanage. And Henry never saw his dad again. And Henry grew up and he learned what it meant to have a father through Scripture. And this is what he says in one of his hymns. He says, Father like he tends and spares us. Well, our feeble frame he knows. That it is possible, even when you've had a bad relationship with your father, to come to a very beloved space with God through Scripture. That through Christ, Scripture can fill up what is missing in the deepest and most empty places in your soul. To call God Father to a first century Jew, to say it lightly, uh, was very, very presumptuous. In fact, many Orthodox Jews even today, they will call God Hashem, which means the name, because they don't want to be irreverent with his name, Yahweh. Even translators would not spell out the whole name because they wanted to be so careful. And in verse 14 of our passage, it says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. A more literal translation of that would be, and uh, th- this is the, the unreservedness in speaking that we have through Christ. Free speech. And we often, you know, we often think of free speech in the realm of public spaces. But what, re- what really causes communication breakdown among us in here and among other human beings is a lack of love and trust. Many of us have friends that we feel safe around so that we don't have to guard what we say. We can say what we need to say without being careful because we know that our friend loves us. And that if we say something's off, something that's off, they're going to receive that with grace and take it in the best way because they want what's best for us. And if we don't have that kind of intimacy with others, we will fill that void in other ways in this world. But even with our closest and most safe people in this life, there will come a time when you realize it really is only God who knows me through and through. It really is only him that can receive all that I am. And when you get to that place with God, what begins to happen is that you begin to have a perpetual dialogue with him. This is part of what the Bible means when it says you need to pray without ceasing. And the reason why you do that is because God is where you feel most free and loved. And so you may sit here and think, you know, I've heard phrases like this all my life. That God loves me like a father. But I do not experience that. And to be quite frank, that sounds like white noise in a world like this. And if that's where you are, um, prayer is taking a phrase. This is this is how it gets practical. Prayer is taking a phrase like that, that God loves you like a father and sitting with it 
mulling it over in your mind, talking about it with others, but then talking about it to yourself. That's how the truths of Scripture get from your head to your heart and they experientially get lived out. And when Scripture becomes prayer, that that process is called meditation. So Eugene Peterson says when his dog uh, finds a new bone, there is a certain element of uh, community with, with the new dog bone. He shows it off to everybody, but then he'll go off after that's over. He'll go off to a place that's remote and gnaw on it for hours. Chew on it. Getting the best of it in isolation. That's what it means to meditate. To create space in your life to digest the most amazing possibility in the world. That the creator is your dad. Point one, prayer is experiencing the love of God as father. Point two, prayer is being included in intimate relationships. It says our father, which doesn't negate the the fact that he can be my father. But first and foremost, he is our father. I'm going to retranslate first John. I write these things to y'all who believe. That's the Georgia Standard Version of the Bible. (laughs) Most pronouns in the New Testament are plural. Y'all, let's let's bring it to Nebraska. It's very efficient. (laughs) Prayer is communal. And prayer means that you are included, not just with other people, but you are included inside the Trinity. That's why when you're baptized in his name, it's part of what it means that you're in. You're in the inner circle of the world. And that's where we want to be. We want to be in, not out. And when you pray, you are reminded that you are worthy to be included. And that you are treasured. And that people want you. They want you near. If you struggle with self-worth in this room, the thinking usually ends with, well, it'd be better off if I wasn't around. People would be better off without me. Uh, And I want you to hear me clear. That's the voice of evil. That's how Satan talks. To separate you off from community in isolation so, so that he can destroy you. But this is how God wants you to think, that you are so valuable to him and that your life is so precious that he will die so that you can live. That you are so precious to him that he will be excluded so that you can be included. If you've ever been excluded from anything, But especially in relationship, it's one of the worst feelings in the world. Because deep down in everyone's soul, we must experience what it means to belong somewhere or to belong to someone because we were encoded in our DNA for intimate relationships. And one of the great things about prayer is that you don't know how lonely you are until you get to that deep level of intimacy with God. 
usually brought about by suffering in your life. And God, God has used in my own personal life uh, the, the writings of a woman named Ruth Barton to, to teach me this in her books. And, and through another person, which, you know, this name has been mentioned far too many times and most of you want to hear from this pulpit. But um, Tim, Tim Keller really has taught me a lot about what it means to pray. Uh, when I was a campus minister in 2016, he spoke to a group of uh, ministers out in Denver. And he said, um, most ministers neglect their inner life for the sake of their outer life. And he used this example. He said, what do you, what do, you do when, you, when you wake up late and you have a meeting and you can choose to be late to that meeting or you can choose to spend time or you can choose to be on time for the meeting and not spend time with God. When he's, he's talking about people's faces are way more looming and large than God's face over your life. You fear men, not God. And I begin to I begin to wonder, uh, is it possible to not live like that? Now, look, I, I know many of you in this room. You do not have the freedom to spend hours a day in prayer. I get that. And I understand, because I have been in this spot in my life too, that even the word prayer connotes so much guilt for many of us that we, we don't like, you know, if you want to hear a sermon about prayer, like that's the bottom of the list, you know. No one wants to talk about that. Um, but here's, here's what I want to share with you that I've learned over the past three years. This is even before COVID. Um, Making prayer a priority in my life, I have never felt more alive to God or to myself or to y'all. I have, and this is a big one for me. I have never been more convinced that I have eternal life, something I've doubted all the time since I was a little boy. And I've never... Uh, Sense that God was going to take that intimacy away, but that he's going to increase it. Then that's going to continue and it's going to get stronger. Um, Tim, Tim Keller, he's, he said this, he's got, he's dying of pancreatic cancer now. And he said a, a version of this every 10 years of his life. I've been following him for like 30 years. And every 10 years, he says, I never knew how bad my prayer life was until 9-11 happened. Until I got cancer, until I got cancer the second time. And what, he, what he's saying now is, I don't want the cancer to go away because I'm afraid that I won't feel this intimate with God. He's not afraid to die. Now, why? It's because it's all true. Christianity. <laughs> that resurrection is true. That God is his father. And then even when he is alone, when he's in the, the face of death, he's not alone. Because there was only one that was left alone, which is Jesus, so that we could be included into the intimacy that is God as Father. We're not alone, and He's not just my Father, He's our Father. And finally, prayer helps us know that we have been heard, that we have been understood, and that we have been given what we most need. Verse 15, 1 John 5, And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. 
It is such a challenge to be misperceived. It's interesting how often Jesus allows himself to be misunderstood by almost everybody in the Gospels. Doesn't correct people. It can be uh, super difficult to repeat things when it's clear that what you're saying is being heard through a lens or a filter and it's not getting through. And you you desperately want your words to be taken at face value, but you realize they're not. I started this series off uh, with a parable about a, a rich man and this guy named Lazarus. And we talked about how we're very, very poor interpreters of facts or data. Don't know if you remember that parable, but Jesus says to the rich man that even if your brothers see uh, factually somebody rise from the dead and they don't already believe in Moses and the prophets, they will take what they see and they, they won't believe it. And this is, this is what we have in prayer. What we have in prayer is a, is a God who always hears properly. In fact, in Romans 8, it says that God even hears things that we don't know how to say yet. Words that are in our soul that we don't even know how to voice. You know, this is for many of us in our families. This is the problem, right? We say one thing, but what's heard is something different. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Here's the beauty of prayer. Uh, imagine having a father that not only heard you, but understood you. And he knew you better than you knew yourself. And he never got tired of hearing you speak. And he was, never, he was never distracted. He never grew uninterested in what you had to say, dismissed you. He never had better things to do than just to give his full attention to you. Always aware. He was never hoping that you would live up to your potential. He was never trying to prove a point. He never thought you were too sensitive. He wasn't even afraid of your anger or your tears or your passion. But he could receive it all. Now, look, if if you had a dad (laughs) that was like that deep down. If you could be completely honest with yourself in your own heart. What more could you want? How sustaining it would be. You know, if you, if you had a dad that, that you knew could handle with anything, with, he could handle it with grace and poise and love, everything that you ever brought to him, and he would listen to you and hear you and sit with you in it. That's the point of what God brings to you when he says, I hear you. This is why in verse 14 it says, ask anything according to his will and he hears you. And the reason why is because God is seven steps ahead of you on the chessboard of your life. And he knows that what's grounding every desire that you've ever had, you're trying to get back to him. Because your soul was created for him. 
like the, like the ring of power, you know, <laughs> trying to get back to Sauron. It knows its master, you know, <laughs> that's you. Even when you're not conscious of it. And God, you know, he, he hears that longing in your soul. And, and this, is, this is what it means, I think, to, to hallow his name, to, to treat his name as holy, to revere it, is to draw near to him. And when you experience being heard and understood by God, you'll want to draw near to him. You'll want to be holy. And you'll realize that he has provided what you've been after and given you all that you need to draw near to him, to pray, to be holy, to please him. I have a friend uh, named Ricky Jones who gives this example. When he was a little boy, he was really wanting to give his mom a, a good Christmas present. He was, he was five. And so late November, early December, he comes to his mom and he says, Hey, is there, is there anything that you have been wanting for Christmas? And she says, Yeah, actually, I've been wanting these, ear, these earrings from Kmart. You guys remember Kmart? Um, and Kmart was awesome. Um, and she's like, they're, they're $10. And uh, he's like, okay, cool, cool. And, uh, and so he comes back a little later and he's like, hey, mom, uh, totally unrelated question. Is there any way I can earn a little money? Like maybe like $10. Um, and she said, yes. If you take these sticks in the yard and move them over to the other side of the road, I'll give you $10. Um, and so he does that and he comes back to her and he's like, hey, mom, I don't know if you're going to the store anytime soon, like Kmart. But if you are, could I just could I tag along? So she takes him to the store. She gives him some space to buy the rings and he gets home. and He's got the box and uh, he doesn't know how to wrap the present. And, you know, boys don't know how. To, I mean, I, I still don't know how to wrap a present. I, I tried to wrap a present this Christmas and like a gerbil wrapped it. Sarah was like. Good grief. Like he used all the tape. I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, so he takes it to his mom and, you know, she puts those like tight corners on the presents that moms know how to do when they wrap presents. And, and so she put, and then he puts it under the tree. And so he gets up Christmas morning and he's the first one up and he's super excited. And he takes the present and puts it in his mom's lap. And his mother looks at the present that she bought that she took him to the store to get the present that she wrapped, the present that she did all the work to receive. And she says, Ricky, this is exactly what I wanted. Thank you so much. How do you know? <laughs> um, if you're sitting here this morning and, and you think, you know, I don't know how to believe. Uh, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to be holy. Um, just ask. It's all it takes. God just wants you. Prayer is simply the experience of learning how much God delights in you. And in Christ, what you learn is that you're loved, you're included. And you are heard, which is what you most deeply want. So let's pray. 
Father, we ask that these realities would get solidified into our hearts through these means by which you've given us, uh, through the sacraments, through prayers, through preaching, through singing. And Father, you have uh, chosen to be kind to us, to relate to us as a father. And so we have that freedom. Uh, We have the freedom uh, of being in your family, the family of God, with Jesus as our brother and savior. And so, Lord, as we even confess sins and are assured of your grace, that we would know that we are safe in your presence. And therefore, we can extend Love because you first loved us. We want to love like you.